muted it. Hey. I'm okay, now we're good. <laughs> nope, turn down. Okay. Okay. Good morning, church. You may be seated. How about that? I love the Reichels. They always make me wait and say it and all that. Hey, good morning, Facebook and YouTube land. We're so glad that all of you guys could be here this morning. Um, what a blessing it is to uh, see the church filling up. If uh, you don't like us filling up and you think it's against the law, just so you know, we are physically distancing. If you were to see our church, you would see that we took rows out. People are not sitting next to each other unless they are family. So <laughs> the world doesn't realize that we're all family, but we're family and we're sitting by our family. Uh, anyway, it's grateful. To, I'm, I'm super grateful to have you guys all here. We have some uh, very, very weird requests and uh, kind of need this to happen. At the end of the service, we are not allowed to congregate. That's horrible, but we are not yet, okay? In order for us to stay open, we are not allowed to just everybody go to the middle aisle and say hi, okay? If you want to say hi, I want to encourage it. Luckily, we have a beautiful day outside. Um, please, please do that there, okay? Uh, the other reason is we have to sanitize this, the church in between services. And uh, when everybody's still in here, it's very difficult to do that um, before the next group comes in, especially because your pastor's long-winded most of the time. Um, and third, this is the weirdest one. You have to go out a different door you came in. I know, that's crazy, right? So if you parked in the back, we're just going to dismiss everyone out this door right here, okay? If you parked in the front, you have to go out by Doreen's office, okay? Sorry for the extra walk. Weird regulations, but that's what we have to do. So everybody on board with that? I hope so. Okay, great. You, there's no choice in the matter, so we're going to do that. Anyway, we thank you guys. Let's pray and uh, let's get started. I'm excited to do this message this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for all those who were able to be here this morning. Uh, I'm super grateful uh, that uh, you allowed us to come together in, in your name and praise you this morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that are online and able to uh, plug in and watch. Lord God, we ask for no technical difficulties today as we get through your word. Lord God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, uh, again, good morning. Um, if you are new here, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here at Lighthouse. Uh, it has been a wonderful ride so far, and I look forward to the next 25 years. Um, I just want to welcome you guys. This is good. Um, we are in the middle of a sermon series called One Nation Under God. And uh, it's actually quite the series. It's not the easiest to preach about because we're preaching politics, sort of. Yeah, no one really likes politics, um, but we sure can disagree on them, can't we? I mean, it's really easy to, to butt heads and, and not agree on a lot of things when it comes to politics. And even people that are on the same side of the aisle when it comes to politics can also disagree on things on that aisle, and it will divide them. So politics is never the best thing uh, to really talk about, but we're going to do it anyway. And what we've done is we've taken the Pledge of Allegiance... And we broke it down into four different parts. And last week we talked about one nation being one nation under God as a holy nation. 
We are all ambassadors sent by God to earth to represent Jesus Christ. That's who we are. Uh, We should be out spreading the gospel to others and lifting people up in the name of God instead of being divisive and picking sides to be on or anything else like that. We should be more worried about who it is we serve as a king than whether or not we are a Republican or a Democrat. Or if we think that um, we should be out protesting for any reason. And I'm not just talking about the protests that are going on right now. I'm talking about for any reason. Our rights went to heaven with Jesus. We decided to follow Christ. That means we gave Him our rights. We gave them all over to Him. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about being under God. What it means to be under God in the Pledge of Allegiance. Next week, again, to remind you, we are going to talk about indivisible. What is indivisible? What it means to be one nation together as a family and not be divided even through those politics. And lastly, we're going to talk about justice for all, which is very fitting with everything that's going on right now. We do have an election coming up, and this is one of the most polarizing events in our country, but this year more so, I think, than ever. Uh, Four years ago, we had quite the interesting election with uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Uh, We don't need any claps, hoorays, or anything like that. We're not going to be divisive, but uh, I can tell you that this year is equally as odd. It is a weird time in our country. Uh, I think this was probably the craziest last three and a half years I've ever witnessed here on earth when it comes to uh, our country and the things that have happened and not happened to a president uh, or sitting governors or local politicians. Uh, It's just insane to me. Uh, Many of you guys may not know that the word under God has not always been in the Pledge of Allegiance. That wasn't always there. It uh, wasn't originally included, but it was composed in 1887, the Pledge of Allegiance was, by Colonel George Balch. George Balch was a Baptist minister and a socialist. That's for real. I'm not making this up. It definitely is an oxymoron. It's kind of like saying government efficiency. It doesn't go hand in hand at all or like jumbo shrimp doesn't work. Microsoft works. No, it doesn't. So, if you guys see some people that were on the computer got that one. All right. It wasn't until 1954, in response to communist threats, that President Eisenhower suggested to Congress, in addition, that we should use the phrase, under God. And what was amazing is this was a unanimous decision. This was no problem getting this passed in our country to put under God in the Pledge of Allegiance. And it's funny because it was coming from communist threats. And now here we sit today. They want to take God out. They want to make a capitalist country in America socialist, which leads to communism. It's very interesting what is happening in our world. It's like we have forgotten since 1950s what to do. (laughs) We forgot. Like, the only thing we haven't forgot is... I think uh, when it comes to racism and things like that and civil rights, we have gotten a thousand times better. I, I think it's, I'm so grateful that um, we all can live and succeed in this nation together. So anyway, 
How do we as Christ followers live under God? I think that's the hardest thing for any of us to do, especially living in a country as prosperous as ours. Um, our culture is increasingly more and more hostile to us as we go. Uh, and, and now even more. It's kind of weird. If you uh, are a Christian, uh, a lot of times we're called bigots. You must be a bigot because I've read parts of the Bible is what people will tell you. I saw what that scripture said. It says a woman must submit to a man. Ain't doing that. That happens all the time. Well, that's taken out of context. It does say that, but that's not what it means. So it's very simple. Well, they had slaves in there. Yes, they did. Can't take that away. It happened. Well, how come God let people own people? Why did God let that happen? Well, he didn't. We live in a broken world. This is where sin resides in this world. God lives where there isn't sin. People choose to sin just as you choose to love. Okay, this happens all the time. So, I think what we need to do first as Christians is have a realistic understanding about how we live and who we serve and how it is we do serve. So, I have something that I want to get you to try to do uh, is, what is it that you are under? Are you under the culture of America or the world, or are you under God? And I've done this before, a scale from 1 to 10. Uh, 1 being you're under the culture all the way, 100%. A 10 means you're a follower of Jesus. You are under Jesus 100%, living the way that He wants you to live all the way through and through. So I want you to really think about this. Don't give an answer just yet, and we don't need you to yell it out either. But I want you to think about how you can come up with the decision of where it is you think you land on that scale of 1 to 10. So I'm going to help you out with that. First off, entertainment. How is it you become entertained on a daily basis? It could be as simple as watching a comedy TV show on television, but is it actually under God? Is that a Christian television show, or is it crude? Is it sexist? Is it racist? It, it, yeah, it may be funny, but funny doesn't mean okay. And I, you, I love a good joke, and I love funny things, but that doesn't make it okay. What, what else are you doing for entertainment? Are you getting drunk? Are you, are you smoking pot to entertain yourself? Are you gambling to entertain yourself? Are you, are you watching pornography to entertain yourself? Where is it you are falling when it comes to under God with entertainment? How are you doing with money as you think about being under God? Are you all about money and you just love more and more money and you're just stocking it away and shoving it in a mattress so you can keep it all for yourself? And, and you also like stuff, so you're buying a bunch of stuff to fill your house with and you, now you have little trails through your house? Well, that would be a one when it comes to money and stuff. But being under God is someone that has no problem giving and tithing and just letting it go. It's not that big a deal. It's only money. I really don't care about it. I don't want any more of it. I just need enough to get by. That would be a 10, okay? I don't expect everyone in here to live at a 10. I don't. <laughs> I'd like to, but... I'm not Jesus, okay? So, that's really difficult. How about words? This one's a big one. I still catch myself doing that. 
I get mad and I bust a knuckle while working on my Jeep, <laughs> that wrench might go flying. You might say a word that starts with something you shouldn't say. You know, it's not terrible. You're alone. No one can hear it. But what words are you using when you're alone? Are you cussing? Are you giving words of encouragement to others? Or are you gossiping and putting people down? How is it that you are living for God, under God, when it comes to your language? The words that you're using to lift others up or to put people down. Another one is your time. How are you spending your time? Are you spending all your time binge sinning as you're watching all of these TV shows and movies that you shouldn't be watching? You know what was the most popular TV show the last several years? Five years or something like that in a row? It was a TV show called Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. I, it's funny, I see things pop up on social media. They go, um, hit share and like if you can say you've never done this. You know, well, that's me. I've never seen the show. But my own kids and their friends have told me it's like pornographic. Like there's a lot to it. The words aren't good. There's a lot of violence and there's a lot of sex. It's not good. Nudity. But yet it's the most popular show for five years in a row. Interesting, isn't it? I would say if you watch that show, you are living under the culture, not under God. What are you doing to spend your time? Are you working all the time? Do you spend every waking hour of your life working? You work at work. On Saturdays, you work at work. On Sundays, you work at work. You spend no time in the Word. You spend no time with your family. You, know, you spend no time trying to raise disciples. You just come to church one hour a week to feel good, and then you go right back to work. That's not living under God. We may not totally know where to put yourself, but I really want you to think about this. All the things that I just named off could really help you decide where you fall on a scale from 1 to 10. How many of you guys have ever been around a drunk person? How many of you have ever been the drunk person? <laughs> okay, good. All right. Just, just, we're just making confessions today. That's what we're here for. There's people that in here that have been under the influence. There are people that know people that have been under the influence. Would you say that it changes the way that you think? You can't say no to that. I mean, I'm not talking about having one glass of wine. I'm talking you're drunk, okay? You know someone that has been drunk, and you know it changes the way that you think. It affects us deeply. You think things are so funny, and you ask the guy or the gal, what's so funny? <laughs> I have no idea. You know, They don't know. They're just laughing. They think it's fantastic. But their mind is changing. It changes the way that they walk. They stumble. I was going down Broadway the other day, and I saw this guy and gal walk out of the, the bar, and she is stumbling. He's having to hold her up. But the problem was he was stumbling too. They were, it was so bad. My thought was, I hope they're headed to a hotel room and not a car. Because they were plastered. 
So after we have about nine or ten drinks, it changes the way you think about people and how attractive they are. You lose your sense of judgment, <laughs> if you will. You will, for, you will be sorry who it is you chose that evening with so many drinks. It also changes who you love and how you love. It's so funny when you hear someone go, Man, no one gets me like you. Have you ever heard that before? You, you just get me. Man, I love you. And it's the bartender. Okay? It's not even a friend. It's not someone they've known forever. You can have someone that and call you after 20 years. You haven't talked to them. Man, no one gets me like you. Are you drunk? Yeah. Yeah. Their mind is gone. Okay? I'm just trying to lay this out there so you understand what people who are intoxicated do. Mind-altering. Bad judgment. People lower their guard. They become more vulnerable. They're not aware that they're even under the influence. How many people do you know, I'm good to drive. They can't even walk to the car, let alone drive anywhere. Okay? They don't even realize how under the influence they are. They will tell you all day, I ain't drunk, give me my keys. Right? So what I'm thinking is, and the reason I'm sharing all of this, it isn't to put anybody down. I would pray no one in here or no one listening today ever gets to that point ever again. It isn't worth it. It isn't worth it to go out and drink like that. So, to bring this all around, the reason I was doing this, what if we are so intoxicated by the culture, we don't even, we're not even aware of the influence that we're under? Think about that. What if we are so intoxicated by the American culture that we aren't even aware that we are under the influence? We are so blinded by the gospel, we don't even realize that we're under the influence of the world. But yet we're supposed to be under God. So I'm going to talk this morning about a great man of God in the Old Testament. He's a good role model for anybody and everybody who needs to live under God while living in a cruddy world that disagrees with everything about him. We're going to talk about Daniel this morning. He was raised worshiping uh, Yahweh despite every cultural temptation you can imagine. It was all around him. And yet he still remained completely under God. He didn't waver at all. He lived under King Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know who named this guy. That's such a weird name. He destroyed Jerusalem. He burned the temple. He wrecked the city. That sounds really familiar right now. Our cities are being burned. Churches are being burned. Our world is being destroyed right before our eyes. But Nebuchadnezzar decided he needed to get the best and the brightest of the Jews, the Hebrew people, and bring them in to his courtship. And he was intentionally going to indoctrinate them into the Babylonian culture. He wanted to make them part of Babylon. He was going to train them to become future uh, leaders of the government underneath the king. He was going to force them into learning what it meant to be Babylonian. So think about that. That's kind of interesting if you think about the public school systems now, everything that's going on within our universities, everything is kind of different than it used to be. 
It's a lot different than it used to be. But in Daniel 1, 4, and 5 says this. I'm going to read a little bit more than what will be up there. Oh, no, it's up there. Never mind. Used without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace. And Ashpenab, that was the name of uh, one of the guys that was uh, leading Daniel and his friends, to teach them uh, the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of their food that the king ate, and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Interesting. So what are they going to do? First, they're going to change their language. They don't speak the way King Nebuchadnezzar speaks or he wants them to speak in, in Babylon. So he wants them to stop speaking Hebrew, which I'm assuming it was Hebrew that they, they knew, and change their language. Stop speaking the way that you would normally speak to your people and speak the way that I speak. Next is, they were going to change their education. Change what it is they think is important for them to know and teach them only what they need to know for Babylon. They were indoctrinating them in Babylonian thought. Very interesting. Next, they were going to change their diet and make them eat food that was dedicated to pagan gods. I don't know about you, but I think America has changed our diet so much, we're all starting to look like pagan gods. We're getting round and, and chubby, and food is pretty good, though. Anyway. He even changed their names. He changed their names that were originally uh, around the God of Yahweh, which is our God, the one true God, and gave them names that were connected to pagan gods. But what's amazing is if you realize the influence that comes from Satan, they think he changes the way we think. He'll change the way that we believe. He changes the way that we behave. Think about that. If we are living under the culture of America, the way we believe, the way we behave, and the way we think has all been changed. It changes our mind. Why do you think Romans 12 says, have a renewing of your mind? Because we, our minds have been indoctrinated to the culture instead. And I think if Satan wants to do a full-scale attack on America, but even worse, the church... He is going to seduce our minds in the way that we think. He's going to lie, and He's going to deceive us in every possible way. He's going to change the way we think. And if He can do that, it'll change the way our heart is. We have been lulled into this spiritual complacency. I really believe that, especially here in the United States. You go to a third world country, you will see people love Jesus in no way that you have ever witnessed before. It is incredible. How many of you guys saw that YouTube video of um, the, the Chinese folks receiving Bibles for the first time? And they were just weeping over the opportunity to have Bibles in their hands. And they were holding their Bibles and they're just, they're crying of joy because they had the living Word of God in their hands. That's incredible to me. How many of you ever went to the store and bought a Bible and cried over it? One. 
There's a lot more than one people in here. It's not the same in our culture. We take things for granted. It happens all the time. But I'm here to tell everyone today that we cannot halfway follow Jesus. We can't. We cannot halfway follow Him and we can't passively disciple someone to Christ. You can't just say, hey, you should come to church and think they're saved. That's not how you bring someone to Christ. That's not how you disciple someone. And as a follower of Jesus, Jesus, I believe every soul in the in this country and in this world matters. Every soul matters. Just as much as the other. How many of you ever decided that you were going to get a new gym membership and you're going to work out one hour a week? How did that change your physique? <laughs> Probably not so good. One hour a week of working out doesn't do it. How many decided you're going to say, you know what, I really need to change my diet, so one day a week for one hour, I'm going to eat healthy. That's usually how diets work for me. But it doesn't work. You're not going to feel better. You're still going to not lose weight. Could you imagine... How long my marriage would last if I said, you know, Eva, I'm only going to be nice to you and I'm only going to hang out with you one hour a week, even though we're married. It's not going to work out very good. I don't recommend any of you guys to do that for your wives. Wives don't do that to your husbands. So why in the heck do we think as Christians, the only thing we need to do is to come to church one hour a week? We do everything else way more than one hour a week. So what do you think the kind of relationship we actually have with Christ if we only are in the Word when we go to church one hour a week? If we're only around other Christians one hour a week? We only praise Jesus with music one hour a week. How do you think you are in the eyes of Christ when it comes to being a disciple of Christ. It's not very promising. I would say we're on the fence. I would say we need to rethink our walk with Christ if we're only with Him one hour a week. We cannot halfway follow Jesus. We have to become so intoxicated by Jesus the same way we are in the culture. We need to flip it. We need to change the way we are in this culture. I don't think many of us even realize how far we've actually drifted. It's just like someone that becomes addicted. You don't even realize how addicted you are until someone else really helps pull you out. You get so addicted, you, you, you can't get out. That's usually when you realize how addicted you are is when you hit rock bottom. Daniel 1.8 says this, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him to not defile himself. I want you guys to know that he didn't fight to have his name changed to, or to keep his name uh, one that was connected to, to Yahweh. He, he knew that that wasn't that big a deal. He didn't have to defend that. He didn't defend his friends on that. It was, that was just an outward sign. It wasn't that big a deal. 
But what he was willing to do was he was willing to take a stand for God's name. He was willing to take a stand for Yahweh because he knew the moment he started eating food that was dedicated for a pagan god and not dedicated for God, that it would taint that relationship that he has with God. How was he going to live under God the moment he started living for pagan gods? He couldn't. And he knew that it wasn't okay. He didn't want to live in that place. He knew that where he was at in his life, it was increasingly hostile towards him and his people. He was living at the king's palace, being indoctrinated with everything, and he took a stand anyway, and he goes, no, I am not going to defile my God. You can defile me all day long, but you are not going to defile my God. I don't know about you guys, that's not an easy thing to do, especially in his position under a king. He could have been beheaded just like that because he wasn't doing what he was told. And I think for us as Christians and American Christians, what will really help us out to have this walk under God is we need a predetermined resolution. We need to have a predetermined idea of who we are and how it is we're going to walk. First, we need to figure out, okay, where are we at from the scale of 1 to 10, under culture or under God? And then we need to, please do this. We need to figure out a predetermined resolution in our life. And I want you to write some things down. Uh, you can write these down later. I want you to figure this out. I'm going to just give you some ideas. Predetermined resolution to live under. First is the easiest one. We will go to church. The average full-time person in a congregation goes 1.7 times a month. Not even a full two times. Now, most of you that are here, I have seen you every single day, or every single Sunday, so you've done really well. Thank you. But most people that consider themselves full-time churchgoers go 1.7 times. That's, that's a sad number. So a resolution to help you stay with the church and under God instead of with the culture is saying, we will go to church. If you have kids at home, do not let your kids decide on whether or not they're going to church. They're going to church. You're the adult. Bring them. Make them come. If you truly believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, why in the heck would you say, well, I want them to decide their own future? But you know Jesus is the only way to keep you from hell, then you're going to tell me you're going to let the world teach your kids how to go straight to hell? Are you kidding me? No, you guys decide now. We will go to church. We, the whole family. My kids, even when they're visiting, guess what? They're going to church, even if they're visiting. For you younger folks that are not married or folks that are single at right now, you are not having sex until you get married. You will never take it so far that you're going to go out on a date and put yourself in a vulnerable position to where you would slip. You cannot do that. Right up front, when you date somebody, if you, as soon as you go out on your first date, first thing you should tell them, I ain't having sex till I'm married. And if they leave, they weren't the one. If they stay, it might work out. 
Do not put yourself in a vulnerable position. If you let them know ahead of time, they're not going to put you in that position. And if they do put you in that position, they're not the one. Next is we just talked about this. I'm not going to get drunk. Predetermined resolution. I am never going to get drunk. I will never drink anything that's going to make me drunk. Because then you are no longer sober-minded, and then Satan can move in for the kill. He can move in for the kill. You know, one of the things that my, my wife and I have talked about is we don't do guys' night out. We don't do ladies' night out. Now the church does a ladies' lunch. That's different. I'm talking about a group of ladies going, hey, ladies' night out, and they go to the bar. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you put your marriage at risk? Because the moment you have a drink, someone could slip you something in your drink, and now what happens? You aren't going to be married anymore because you just committed adultery with someone else. Because you weren't sober-minded. You weren't thinking. You thought you were thinking, but you weren't thinking. It happens way too often. Next is, I would encourage us as the church to speak words of life. It's a predetermined resolution to speak words of life. Encourage each other. Encourage everyone outside the church. Build people up. Tell yourselves, I am not going to be negative towards anyone ever again. And I am not going to gossip about somebody. I am not going to do that. We aren't them. We're not in their shoes. We have no right to talk about someone else unless we are talking to them. That is the only time you talk about someone else is if you're talking to them in their face. And you better have a relationship to be able to do that. Next predetermined uh, thing that we can do, re resolution is, don't watch certain movies. You know, when you're flipping through Netflix and it says M.A. on it, that means mature audience. You probably shouldn't watch that one. It's simple. Skip it. It, there's so many things that you can watch that are out there that are good, that are funny. Don't watch the news. That's M.A. That's mature audience. We don't need to watch that. It's all garbage. Leave it alone. You guys, if it's funny, it doesn't mean right. Okay? Remember that. I enjoy a good laugh. But if we are truly living under God... How many times have you heard a, a joke that was sexist or something like that and you laughed? Or you heard a racist joke and you, you laughed? Or you heard uh, a joke that was uh, just completely inappropriate and you laughed? You guys, that's a sin. You are equally as guilty as the person that told the joke. That's, that's, that's not where we belong. We belong outside of that. If you're on social media, remember who you represent. You are representing yourself, but you have a king that you are more so representing. So make sure you catch yourself. I'm guilty, okay? It is hard, especially everything that's going on now. It is so hard for me, Daniel, who is extremely opinionated, to keep his mouth shut. It is hard. I'm preaching to me as well. Maybe your finances, 
predetermined resolution, I am going to be a good steward to everything God gives me, including my finances. I'm going to tithe to my church. I'm going to be generous to people who are in need because that's who I am, because that's who God would want me to be. Lastly, forgive those who have hurt you. Predetermined resolution that if you've been hurt by someone, forgive them. Be done with it. It is not worth it to hold on to. Bless those who curse you. Could you imagine Daniel being on his knees praying for King Nebuchadnezzar? Running Babylon? Babylon was horrible. Horrible. Especially against his people. And I guarantee you, Daniel was praying for that man. I guarantee it. We have to decide that we are under God and not under culture. We have to decide that we must influence the culture instead of live in the culture. We need change. We do need change. I, hear, I keep hearing it. I've been hearing it for the last, I don't know, 12 years. Change. But nothing's changed. So how do we change it? It's only getting worse for us. Why? Because we're not influencing anything. We're not changing the culture by any means. Why? Because we're all camouflaged in with the world. We all look just like it. How are you going to bring someone to Christ if you look just like them? It doesn't work. You guys, we're the salt. We're called to be the light. And be careful when, you, when you're the light. If you look into the sun, it'll blind you. So don't give that much light at once. It's just like salt. You don't take a salt shaker, take the lid off, and dump the whole thing you know, on your hamburger or in your, in your soup. It wouldn't be very good. So be mindful to how much you're pouring out there for everyone. I love what it says in John 17, 16. It says, Jesus is not of this world, so we also no longer belong to him or belong to, to it, the world. It is a reminder that we are ambassadors of God, sent by a holy God that is so big. We're a diplomat for Him. I talked about that last week. We serve Jesus. I don't serve Governor Kate Brown. I don't serve President Trump. I serve Jesus. Now, there is a rule that we are to follow the rules of the land. Yes. That's why we are so slow at opening up our, our uh, church. We have many people that even think, why aren't we full? Well, that would be unacceptable to the community if we did that. And we'd look like a bunch of hypocrites. We care about our community more than that. And we want everyone in the community to come to church and come to Christ. But they're not going to come to this church if we were bullheaded. So we're taking our time. We're following the authorities. We have to draw a line. A line that we will not cross. That's what the predetermined resolution is. We have a, an election coming up. I've mentioned that many times. And I want you to know that no matter what party holds the office, it doesn't matter who holds the office, our God still holds the world. Okay? He's still waiting for all to come inside of it. 
No matter who protests for who, one side or the other, Black Lives Matter, NRA, it doesn't matter. Our God still holds the world. We don't belong at the protests. Yes, you can have an opinion all day long, but your opinion should be that of Christ and match that of Christ. Remember John uh, 16, 15, what I just read. We no longer belong to the world, but we belong to Him. We belong to Him. So why are we fighting? These things will divide the church so quickly. You guys, all lives matter. All lives matter. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. We all in this room matter, and every person outside this room matters. Because God came, He died on a cross for all of us. They're from Ethiopia, Antarctica, Iceland, Russia, China, the United States, South America. It doesn't matter. He died on the cross for all to come to Him. So all wouldn't perish. Not a few. Not a chosen race. Christianity, I read that last week, is a chosen race. Christianity. Being a Christian. I don't know about you guys, but I got brothers and sisters in Christ of every make and model. (laughs) Every single one. No division. We are timed for us to be holy and act like it. We are holy because He is holy. And that's why we are to be ambassadors to every person you run into. Every person. No matter if they're living on the streets and poor and a drug addict, that is someone's child. To the richest person you can think of. Bill Gates needs disciples. Okay? It doesn't matter. Everything in between Every color, every background, every soul matters. And Christ wants them to know Him and fall in love with Him. But if we stay silent and only go to church once a week and feel good, that's our spiritual workout for the week, we're good. That's not discipleship. That's not how this works. So no matter who becomes president, No matter who is president, no matter who is governor, no matter who is mayor, we need to pray for them as a group, as a family, as a church. And that that person's leadership falls under God. That's what we should be praying for. Not that they should... I mean, we all have an opinion on how someone should do something. (laughs) Well, he's not doing it the way I would do it. Well, you're... Don't have his job for a reason. Well, he's not doing it the way, or she's not doing it the way I, sh- I, I think. No, it doesn't matter if they're not doing it the way you think they should do it. Are they doing it the way God would do it? And if they're not, we should be praying for them. Not arguing with your neighbor. It's not worth it. Daniel resolved himself to God. To faithfully live under God. He was wanting to live under God. And he wasn't willing to give that up. 
He made some predetermined resolutions. And this is what we need to do. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves. Stop thinking you're always right. Man, I just stabbed myself in the forehead with something with that. Stop thinking you're always right. That's what it says, 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. He cannot exalt you if you're always right. If you have no humility, you are not a leader and you are not right, and it is really hard for God to lift you up. You do not look like Him. Remember, we submit to Him because He is holy. We are under His mighty hand. So it's time for us to get into the Jesus culture. The world says to promote yourself. Get out there and promote yourself. Grow as big as you can in the world, and that will make you successful. But Jesus says, deny yourself. Have you done that? The world says to consume as much as possible. Eat and eat and eat and eat. Buy more and more. I need a bigger house. I need eight more storage units. I need as much as I can have. Consume, consume. And what does Jesus say? Give. Exact opposite. He says to give. The world says, hate those who love you. Hate those who think different than you. What does Jesus say? Love. He says love. And it is so hard to love when someone's yelling at you. But Jesus says to do it. They were killing him. (laughs) Brutally killing him on the cross. And he says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He didn't fight back. He didn't yell at them. He didn't say, you idiots, you need to stop. No. So why do we do that? Why are we doing that? The world says you need to pursue things. If you're not happy in your marriage, pursue another woman. Pursue another man. Jesus says to pursue Him. Pursue God. The world says, live for now. YOLO, you only live once. Live for now. I I, I hear that for these young people more than anything. And Jesus says, no. Now is short. Live for eternity. And that's why He came, is to lift us up. Even our own country says we are to live with the pursuit of happiness. It's part of our rights as Americans. The pursuit of happiness. That's what we should be pursuing, is our happiness. Jesus says, pursue righteousness. Pursue righteousness, not happiness. That's not what He's called us to do. I think we've been so intoxicated by the culture that we have been blessed to live in. We are blessed to live in the United States of America. We are are abundantly rich, you guys. I live in a 1,500-square-foot house with a two-car garage on a quarter acre of property. I am rich beyond all measure. I know people who have dirt floors in a seven-by-eight room with eight brothers and sisters and a mom and dad, and they have to walk ten miles to get a bucket of water while I get a hot shower. 
the things that we take for granted. It's so easy to fall into our culture that we end up having no idea how far we've drifted from our Lord. It's easy. So here's the warning for today. We are called to live under God, and you will be persecuted. People are going to laugh. They're going to think that you're a weirdo or you can't have fun anymore because you have to follow Jesus. But guys, I'm telling you, don't worry when you're persecuted. Worry when you're not. If you are not being persecuted, you're not doing anything. You are doing nothing. All you are doing is maybe reading your Bible and coming to church once a week, and that's it. You aren't being persecuted if you are not sharing the gospel. Who have you told lately about Jesus and your faith? Who have you told lately that you walk with Jesus and not this world? Who have you argued with on Facebook about one side or the other? Who have you lifted up? Who have you encouraged? It doesn't matter who's president. It doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. It doesn't matter if you're with the NRA. It doesn't matter if you stand with Black Lives Matter. It doesn't matter if you are anything except for a follower of Jesus. That's all that matters. So we can throw the rest of the rest of the stuff out. All of it. And come together as a family and change the culture in this county. I cannot wait in 20 years from now, this county being the most unchurched county in Oregon to being the most church county in Oregon. But it's going to take all of us. Not just me. It takes every single person here today and that is listening here today to change our culture to a Christ culture. I can't wait for that day, and I believe it can happen, and I believe it will happen. But it's going to take all of us to disciple. It doesn't matter how broken the world is. It's always been broken. I think I remember Cain killing Abel with a rock. That was horrible. Adam and Eve, the first ones ever, sinned. Okay, there's nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new under the sun. But yet we act like this is all brand new. And we end up dividing our own selves instead of coming together as a family. So the question I'm going to end on is, are you living under God? And have you made Jesus your king? Have you made Jesus your king? We have a young lady here today. She has, shares the name with my mom. It's kind of fun. Her name is Glinda. She's getting ready to go back and, and get dressed. Today she's going to make Jesus her king as we baptize her in the Christian waters of baptism this morning. So go ahead and go get dressed. While she's getting ready, guys, can uh, I get some service?